Hey everybody, this is Jamie Nunley, lead pastor of Victory Fellowship Church. Thanks for listening to the VFC Sermon Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our free VFC Thomasville app, where you can access all of our messages, sermon notes, announcements, and small group lessons. This app is the easiest way to keep up with everything going on here at VFC. So please enjoy the following sermon. We hope it encourages you in your walk with Jesus and helps you to belong, believe, and become. Enjoy. All right. Well, hey, good morning. Are you glad you're here? Yeah, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. I'm just glad in general. Just in general, I'm happy. Um, really, really excited about the series that we're going to uh, be kicking off this morning. Where do I have my clicker? I need my clicker if someone can help me out. And um, a couple of things first before we get started. Um, thanks, Steph. Um, the, uh, the men's and women's uh, ministries here at the church, if you guys noticed during the announcement uh, video, they have some opportunities for you coming up. Look, take advantage of that, you know. Um, it, it, we can't make you, we're not going to come to your house and drag you out of your sofa and make you come and get to know people. But these are awesome opportunities. Guys, the, the chicken wing competition uh, is going to be great. We actually have the coolest trophy, and by coolest I mean weirdest, trophy for this. It's got a big chicken on top. And then like the base is like pictures of chicken wings. You want this like next to grandma's ashes. I mean, it's that, it's that awesome. You're really going to want it. So I just encourage you guys to come make a point, uh, men and women make a point to, to get together. Um, also I want to encourage you as well. Remember, um, in the church app are the, the sermon notes. They're filling the blanks so you can keep up. Just go to Sunday at VFC on the main screen there and, and you'll see uh, sermon notes and you can keep up. We will not judge you. We will not assume you're playing Candy Crush. Although the ushers have been uh, told that if you are playing Candy Crush during the sermon, they can smack you upside the head in the name of Jesus. So. Pumped about this series, Practice Makes Perfect. Um, you know, it takes practice to get good at something, right? It takes practice. It takes time. It takes effort. And here's what I've noticed about Scripture. There are lots of things that God is calling us to do that, quite honestly, we're not very good at. Just in our own ability. You know, lots of the things that God's saying, hey, I'm asking you to do this. You're not very good at it. Neither am I. What does that mean? That means we need to practice. Philippians 4.9, the Apostle Paul says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Look, practice, it, does it take effort? Yes. But it will yield peace in your life. As you practice the things that God is asking you to, it will yield peace in your life, and you will be happier as you are working harder towards your own spiritual growth. Now, let me just say this real quick. Practice makes perfect. The word perfect, when the word perfect is used in the, in the New Testament, it doesn't mean perfect in the way that we mean it. It actually usually means mature. Uh, and if you check out some of the verses that use the word perfect, maybe like in the amplified version of the Bible, you'll see that they define the word perfect as mature. Okay, so it says, let patience have its perfect work that you may become perfect, lacking nothing. That's in James 1. It means mature, that you grow up. 
that you look like Christ, okay? So we're not talking about perfection. Look, God's not looking for perfection from you. He's looking for connection with you. That's his desire, okay? Your spiritual growth will become easy when you come in proximity to him. It's all about relationship with Jesus. Um, Christianity, I don't know why I'm going off on it, not even on my sermon. Christianity is not about behavior modification. It's not. The law was about that, and the law didn't work. Now, does that mean that Christians behave however they want? Of course not. If God lives in you, then you will behave differently than if God doesn't live in you. Now, that just makes sense. But, but we don't act right because God's watching us. We act right because God's in us. It's based out of relationship. So today we're talking about practicing honor. Practicing honor. I was praying about some of the different things that we're not necessarily so good at by ourselves. And honor was one of the ones that I felt like the Lord uh, wanted us to go over. So what, what is honor? Let me define it for you real quick. Honor... To honor someone is to adopt God's perspective on them and to actively respond to the value that God has assigned to them. Two things, to adopt God's perspective on someone, that's the first step, and then to actively respond to the value that God has assigned to them. See, God has a unique perspective, Here's the thing about perspective. Perspective determines what you see. I've got a very unique perspective right now. I'm the only person in the room that can see each and every one of you. I can see your faces. Some of you are smiling. Some of you are trying not to nod off. I understand. But I've got a unique perspective. Those of you that, that are sitting close, you might be able to see maybe a few of the stains on my shirt. It's, I don't think I own a shirt without a stain. Sorry. Those of you in the back have a unique perspective. You see a lot of the backs of people's heads. And so you've got a totally different perspective than other people do. So your proximity determines your perspective. The closer you get to God, the more you will see as he sees. So in order to begin the process of honoring people, we must tap into God's unique perspective. Honor does not come from your opinion. It comes from God's opinion. It comes from what he says about people. Now, our culture doesn't understand honor nearly as much as it understands respect. We understand respect. Um, But respect is earned. Honor is granted. Respect is earned over time by someone's activity. You say, wow, they're an awesome person. Based on the things they say, based on the things they do, based on who they are, as I can see... I have, I'm now giving them my respect. It has now been earned. And respect is great. But honor is something different altogether. Honor is granted even before there's full proof that that person is honorable. Why? Because it's based on God's perspective of them. Honor is a response. See, in our definition, it says, We actively respond. After we get God's perspective, we actively respond to the value that God has assigned to a person. See, God has assigned to each person a value, and it's our, in order to honor someone, it's our job to respond to that perspective that God has. I want to show you a scripture here Romans 12, 10. 
It says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I love that. Outdo one another. It's almost like it's a game. It's almost like a competition. How many competitive people do we have? Yeah, come on. You know, some of you are like, I, I'm first. I'm the most competitive. You're so competitive, you want to be the most competitive. I'm kind of competitive. I don't know what happens to me when I play like categories or taboo or, or, or some of those games. I get, like, our family loves to play Balderdash. Have y'all played that before? It's so much fun. If you haven't, I highly recommend it. I get so competitive and I'm like, I love my kids, but I want to destroy them right now. I just want to absolutely take over this game and win. I've shared this before. I'm just bearing my soul and being vulnerable before you, okay? Like in theme park, I love theme parks. I love roller coasters. I I, I don't want anyone in front of me. I'm like running. Like this this sweet lady trying to get, no, uh uh-uh, I'm going first. Something happens. It's like this competition, right? And so we, that, that's not a God thing. That's a flesh thing. So we have to learn how to keep that part of us down and to transition it from flesh into spirit. So if you want a competition, compete to outdo one another in honor. Wake up in the morning. I mean, how would this affect our community, our church, your family? If we woke up every morning and said, you know what? I'm going to get them today. I'm going to win the honor competition. I'm going to honor my kids. I'm going to honor my wife's I'm, wife. I'm going to honor my, my, okay. that's our next elephant in the room that we'll address. <laughs> Polygamy is still wrong. I'm going to honor my wife. I'm going to honor my husband. I'm going to honor my parents. I'm, I'm going to honor uh, people in authority around me. What, what if we did that? Wouldn't that change so much? Honor is a feature of the kingdom of God. It's something that you should just naturally see as the result of the kingdom coming near. Honor is a currency of the kingdom of God. Now, a currency is something, it's a tool that you use to obtain something else. And in the kingdom, God's way of doing things, God's government, the kingdom is upside down, it's inside out. It's different. It's different than our way of thinking. But, but honor is a currency. What does that mean? It means as you give honor, there's an inborn reciprocation where you will receive honor. You know, unfortunately, our families are full of people who are demanding respect. I demand respect in my home, right? Because respect is earned. But honor is granted. So as we freely give honor... And you don't, you don't do it to get something, but God honors those who honor him. God honors those who honor others. So honor is a currency in the kingdom as well. So I want to give you this morning three really practical ways on how we can honor others. Y'all ready? You excited? Are you pumped up? Okay, that was a little much. All right, number one. How do we honor others? Number one is we separate their who from their do. Now, I've talked about this before. If you spent any time here at VFC, we separate their who from their do. What do I mean by this? Someone's who is their worth. It's their intrinsic value. It's what they're worth. That's their who. And then someone's do is, is their, their activity. It's a person's actions. It's what, it's what they do. It's their activity. Now, 
let's talk about this concept of someone's who and their do, because we have to learn to separate the two and deal with each one individually. Everyone has equal value. Everyone has equal value. Whether it's an unborn child, whether it's a, an adult that's about to pass away, equal value. Equal value. No matter what socioeconomic bracket someone comes from, no matter what race someone is, equal value. How do we know this? How can we say such a thing? Because a thing's value is determined by what someone is willing to pay for it. Have you ever seen like a painting and it's, you know, it's some auction that went for like $5 million and you're like, wow, that's a lot of money for something that looked like my five-year-old could do. Someone was willing to pay that much money for that item. Therefore, that's what it was worth. What did Jesus pay for you? His own life. The father saw fit to pay with the the blood of his son for your life. Therefore, and he paid for everyone. Therefore, we know what human life is worth. God has already determined the value. Now, we tend to adjust someone's value based on their actions. We tend to prefer someone because they do what's right or they do what's wrong. Now, here's, let me just say this. I'm not saying it's okay to do bad things. Sin is sin, and it's not love, and it's not grace to say that sin is not sin. Sin is sin, and the reason sin is sin is because sin hurts you. Built into every sin is a judgment. Built into every sin... It is, is a consequence. And so by saying we separate someone's who from their due and we treat them according to their value, according to what God has said, not according to their actions, does not excuse bad behavior. It just says that we adopt God's perspective. Let me show you God's perspective on people. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. What does that mean? It means that God loves your who, even if he doesn't like your do. That your value and your worth as a person is still, it's set. It's been determined by the blood of Jesus, regardless of if you're acting right or not. So as we're adopting God's perspective on other people, we have to understand Jesus died before you even had good works. In the same way, we have to learn to see others based on their who. This means that we love our spouses, if you're married, based on their who, not their do. Because if you love your spouse based on how they act, it'll be like this. Because people make us mad. People disappoint us, right? People people do all sorts of crazy things. People, let me, can I share you a secret? People are nuts. They're crazy. I'm looking at you. And you're looking at me. Right? And so we, we, don't, we don't base, we don't treat someone. We treat them from God's value, not from what we think about their actions. You love your spouse because they're who. You, if, you, if you're a parent, you discipline your children based on their who. I'm sorry, based on their do. You discipline the actions, but you don't speak to who they are. What does that look like? That means you discipline the activity, but you still love the child. 
You use your words and you use your actions not to break their spirit, but to still say, hey, this is wrong. And, and God has given me authority to, to show you how to act and to train you up in his ways. And so this is wrong and there's going to be consequences. But you don't speak to who they are. Many of you were, were brought up and, and your parents did maybe the best they could, but, but they broke your spirit. Because they didn't separate your do from your who. We love our parents. We honor our parents because of their who. You know, my parents aren't here, so I can talk about them. I'm just kidding. They'll be here second service. But I had awesome parents. But as wonderful as my parents were, they were, they were imperfect, just like everyone else. And so we take care of parents. We honor our parents. And this is actually a command. Honor your, honor your father and your mother. It's the first commandment with, with promise that you may have long days, that you may live a long time. I want to live a long time, so guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to honor my parents. Does honor mean agreeing with everything they do? No. Does it mean excusing their sin? No. But it means that you adopt God's perspective and you respond accordingly. That's what honor is. Look at what Jesus did, Mark chapter 9. I'm going to kind of skip around because it's a long passage. Jesus takes three of his disciples and there's, it's called the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus turns into God without human form. It's pretty amazing, okay? Um, and so they come down off of that mountain, and the rest of the disciples are there with a guy whose son is really messed up. He's, he's demonized, uh, and he's trying to get free, and the disciples couldn't cast the demon out. And Jesus is pretty mad about it. Mark 9, verse 19, Jesus said to them, the disciples, after they couldn't deliver this boy, you faithless people, out, Jesus... How long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And then he asks a few questions, and, he, and then he, he, he delivers the boy. And we find out later that this kind doesn't come out except through prayer and fasting. But Jesus was pretty hacked off. He was pretty mad. He was upset at the disciples' do, their actions, their activity. He was frustrated. He was disappointed. But he still valued them. Check it out. Right after this, right after this, verse 30, leaving that region, they traveled through Galilee. Jesus didn't want anyone to know he was there, for he wanted to spend more time with his disciples and teach them. You know, God doesn't give the silent treatment. You know, he doesn't punish you when you don't get things just right. Like I said, sin has its own consequence. That'll show up in your life. But you know, even when you mess up, even when you're not who you're supposed to be, even when you're not acting out of your God-given identity and you mess up, you know that he still wants to be with you. Why? Because he values your who over your do. And so must we. If we're going to be a, a, a people that honor each other, we have to learn to separate a person's who from their do. Here's the second way that we honor others is that we find and focus on the good. We find, that means look, search. For some people, it's a little harder than others. You can search for a while. You find and you focus. That means that becomes your new perspective on the good, on the good in people. 
look, everyone has something good about them. Everyone, you can find something. If you're like, Lord, I just don't think there's anything good about this person, then pray, and the Holy Spirit, who knows all, will tell you. At the very least, they are made in God's image. Right? But, but we've got to find and focus on the good in order to honor. First Peter 4, 8 says, most important of all. Hey, if you ever read that in Scripture, that's important. You need to pay attention. Most important of all. That means what I said was important. What I'm about to say is really important. Most important of all. What's he going to say? Most important of all, continue to show deep love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. What does that mean? One, trans- one translation says, love disregards the offenses of others. Disregards. Yeah, but you don't know what they did. I might not, but God does. He also knows what you did. And he forgave you anyway. See, can, can I be honest with you guys? It's easy. It's easy to focus on the wrong in other people's lives. It doesn't take any spiritual maturity to be a critic. All it takes is a pair of eyes. There's nothing special about being a critic. As a matter of fact, I've heard so many people say, well, I have the spiritual gift of discernment. No, you don't. There's no such thing. 1 Corinthians 12, there's discerning of spirits, which is where the Holy Spirit supernaturally gives you the ability to tell the source of what's going on in someone's life. But it's not, it's not, you don't have the gift of discernment. How do we get discernment then? We get discernment from the wisdom of God. And we get discernment from the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is sharp two-edged sword. Piercing between the division of body, soul, and spirit. Discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. You want to be a good discerner? Get in the word. Because the word is where discernment's found. But look. When, people, when I've heard people, well, I just had to get to the sermon, there is probably just a cover for criticism, a critical spirit. I know that's a little harsh, but, but I, I am determined not to let a critical spirit run rampant in this church. You're worth more than that. That means we fight. And, and, and so, so we find and we focus on the good. We fight for Loving people. It doesn't take any spiritual maturity to be a critic. It does take spiritual maturity to love someone despite their mistakes. Look, we need to stop giving ourselves permission to have an opinion on, on everything that someone else does. And look, as a church grows into a family, for whatever reason, we treat our family the worst, right? Because they're closest, I mean, it's, it's always surprised me when I'm doing marriage counseling or whatever, and you've got this, this husband and wife, and they're, they're bickering, and they're going back and forth. And I'm like, look, 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 hold on a second. There are over 7 billion people on the face of the planet. There's one of them that's pledged their life to you. Why are you being so mean? I know they're not perfect. I know they make mistakes, but come on. This one person that said, I'm with you, you're treating them very badly right now. I mean, look, we, we need to stop giving ourselves permission to have an opinion on everything. Look, I think it started when stores online started letting you rate things that you bought, and everyone has an opinion now. And now, good Lord, on social media, everyone has an opinion, an uninformed opinion, <laughs> usually. Wow, you've, you've summed up the scope of this situation, this news story, in 30 seconds, even before we have all information. That's amazing. 
Look, I relieve you of the pressure of having to know everything about everyone. I relieve you of the pressure of having to have an opinion on what every... Well, did you see what they're driving now? I don't care. Did you see what, what they're doing? No, I don't know. I, I see that they're made in God's image. I see that I'm going to love their whoever they're due. Right? Look, look, find and focus on the good. Honor the good that you find in people and trust God with the things that you disagree with them about. When you find a disagreement, trust God and say, well, the Lord's going to take care of that. Romans 14, 10 through 13. This is pretty powerful. Check this out. The Apostle Paul writes, so why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. What does that mean? That means when you stand in front of the Lord, you're not going to give account for someone else. You're going to give account for you. God's, God's not going to, you know, you're standing in front of God. It's your judgment time, right? And God's going to go, hey, we're going to get to you. But before we do, what do you think about Tiff? I need some help. I'm not sure what kind of judgment to give her right now. So could you just kind of help me out? He's not going to do that, is he? Mm -mm. We're going to stand in front of God and give personal account. Verse 13, so let's stop condemning each other. Instead, decide to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Look, we need to learn to love each other despite each other's differences. Now, for balance sake, let me just address this. There's this idea that, that I've heard where people say, well, only God can judge me. You know, don't judge me. Look, it's perfectly okay to judge actions. It's okay to say, I objectively, you know, this activity is always wrong no matter who does it. That's not judging a person. Judging a person is when you close the book on their story too early. And you say, no, that person is this. This person is that. No, no, no. That's judgment. But saying what they did is wrong, that's not judging another person. We, we need to do that. It's wise to, to say this activity is wrong. So I'm not saying, in saying that we love each other despite our differences, that, that we don't address one another in respect and honor, and we don't work through and hash out some of the differences that we have. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm just saying that we have to find and focus on the good in order to be an honoring people. Amen? The third way that we honor someone, remember, we separate the who from the do, and, and, and then we find and focus on the good, and here's the last thing, is that we do something positive for them. See, now it's, now it's time for action. You've gotten your mind right, you've gotten your heart right, now you begin to put it into action. You do something positive for them. See, remember, honor is active. Honor is expressed. Honor changes your behavior. It's not like respect. You can respect someone from a distance. You can respect someone and never say it. But honor requires demonstration. Give a gift. Say a kind word. Do something. You have not honored someone until you've done something to show it. Do you hear me? You honor. You honor through action. Galatians 6, 
verse 10. It says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, so how often? As much as humanly possible. Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the household of faith. Isn't that interesting? Now, we are a very, I believe, we're a very outward-focused church. I mean, we love our community. We talk about loving the community. We talk about, you know, serving other churches and other people all the time. We, we do that. But do you see here in the Scripture in Galatians 6.10, it says, to whenever, whenever we have the opportunity, do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Look, we should be honoring our family first. It doesn't mean that we don't honor everyone else. But according to scripture, do you see this? We honor our family first. And not just our spiritual family, our natural family. Do you honor your natural family first? They always come in second or third or fourth or fifth. We need to honor our family. That's what God is calling us to do, amen? Check this out. Ephesians chapter 4, 29 let no corrupt communication come from your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. What do you mean? In other words, use your words to honor others. Use your words to honor others. You know, I was flying recently. Diane and I went on the, the, the trip to Pakistan, and it was, it was awesome. And as we're going through security, there were several hairy security moments that we went through, especially once we were overseas. At one airport, our passports were checked six times, and we're just like, hey, we're, you know, we're good people, I promise. And, and, and so, but I noticed that TSA, Homeland Security, here in the United States, has a phrase that they say over and over. It's, if you see something, say something. Have y'all heard that before? If you see something, say something. That came back to me when I was praying over this message. But I want you to use it for good. If you see something positive in someone's life, you say something positive. If you see that they did something good, that they're succeeding, then say something. Don't wait for someone else to to compliment them, to, to encourage them, to build them up. You do it. If you see something, say something. It says that it may give grace to those who hear. Grace is the opportunity to change. See, your words create windows of opportunity when you speak life and you speak honor over people where they can change even more. You get to partner with God and life change. But you got to speak out. you got to say something when you see something. Here's the deal, guys. I'm going to be honest. One of the names of the devil is the accuser of the brethren. That means any time that we accuse each other, we're partaking in Satan's ministry, not God's. I, I, don't, I don't want to be a part of that. Therefore, I'm not going to accuse someone. Instead, I'm going to do something positive for them. I'm going to find the good. I'm going to focus on the good. I'm going to separate their who and their do. You know, this afternoon, we're going to have a memorial service for an awesome woman. And people are going to come up here and they're going to say all sorts of great things about her and how wonderful she was. Why do we wait till funerals to do that? We need to bring funeral talk to the land of the living. We need to use funeral talk now. And talk about how wonderful people are in our lives. And build them up. And encourage them. And love them. Oh, I know they're not perfect, but neither are we. Neither am I, neither are you. 
So go ahead and talk them up now. It's not going to hurt anything. Because here's what I know about people is in the back of their minds are a thousand negative thoughts rolling around in there. And you get the opportunity to come against the ministry of the enemy and partake in the ministry of the Lord Jesus. I want to show you a final scripture. Now, this is a little difficult. You might need to write this down. You might need to really pray over this because it's really complicated. Peter, the leader of the early church, Peter who made so many mistakes, Peter who denied Jesus three times, Peter who interrupted God while during the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter who had to be told by Jesus, a resurrected Jesus personally to get back to the ministry, stop fishing. Peter that cut off someone's ear, what's the payoff in that? I don't get that. I don't know why he did that. Like, was he aiming for the neck? I don't know. Peter, this Peter, he's got some advice for us when it comes to honor. Now, like I said, this is going to be very difficult. You're going to need to really focus on this. Are you ready? Here it is. Honor everyone. Period. End of sentence. Honor everyone. Who, so, wait again. Wait, who, who do I honor? Everyone. And, and what, wait, what do I do with everyone? Honor them. Okay, okay. Wait, wait, one more time. Who? <laughs> Come on, guys. It's simple. You're a kingdom citizen, and this is kingdom currency. But guess what? We're not that good at this, are we? Not by ourselves. But if we practice, what does that mean? You get up in the morning and you think about it with intentionality. How can I honor my boss? Ooh. How can I honor my spouse? How can I honor that person that works next to me? How can I honor that person that drives me crazy? How can I honor them? And we will bring the kingdom to earth. And my question to you this morning is this. Are you practicing honor? It's not going to come naturally to you. Sorry. Nothing wrong with you. It's just the human condition. Are you practicing honor? Are you practicing honor? Amen, sister. Let's stand. I want you to close your eyes. Look, whenever the Lord uh, speaks to us through his word, we need to respond. It's not just information to learn. It's information to implant in our hearts, right? So close your eyes. In your own words, under your breath, between you and God, ask the Holy Spirit this question. Am I practicing honor? See what he says. Those of you that are married, am I honoring my spouse? Come on, be honest. Those of you with children, am I honoring my children? Those of you with living parents, am I honoring my parents? Are you honoring the governmental authorities? Doesn't mean you agree with everyone, but you still walk in honor. Come on, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Thank you, Lord. I want to lead you in a prayer where we ask the Holy Spirit to make us a people that honor others just like he honors us. If you will, I want to lead you in this prayer. Just pray it after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm not that good at honoring people. But with your help, I can be great at it. 
So I choose to adopt your perspective on other people. And I choose to actively respond to the value you've assigned to them. I separate their who from their do. I find and focus on the good. And I commit to do something positive for them. I want to honor others like you've honored me. So I give you permission to convict me and to lead me in this area of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Tiff, will you close us? Hey, once again, thanks for listening to the VFC podcast. If you live in the Thomasville area, we would love for you to connect with us in person. For more information about our weekly gatherings, including service times and directions, just visit us at vfcthomasville.org.